So we're launching back into the Holy Habits series, which is inspired by Luke's model of church found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Holy Habits identify 10 practices that show us how to work out what it means to be disciples of Jesus. Today, we continue our sermon series by focusing on the holy habit of fellowship. And today, we'll be asking the question, what does Jesus teach us about fellowship? What does Jesus teach us about fellowship? And I'm going to give you the answer. Fellowship means abiding, abiding in Jesus. So what does it mean to abide? I may get reprimanded for saying this, but to abide feels like an old-fashioned word. Some Bible translations use the word remain instead of abide. Jesus says in the New Living Translation, remain in me and I will remain in you. Warren Wiersbe argues that abiding means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us. Why? To produce fruit. You with me? Yeah. Have you heard of Susanna Wesley? No, you're about to hear all about Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley was married to the rector of Epworth Parish Church. Nine of their children died in infancy. Susanna raised the remaining 10 of their children almost single-handedly because her husband had been imprisoned for financial mismanagement. 19 children, wow. Her home was burned down on more than one occasion and life was a struggle. But despite how bleak things seemed, Susanna is an example of what abiding in Jesus looks like. Because when her husband's replacement failed to preach the gospel in the pulpit, she took matters into her own hands and she launched a Sunday school in her kitchen for the children. It began to attract the attention of her neighbours from the village, and before long, the meeting grew to over 200 people. 200 people attending Sunday school. They gathered every Sunday to hear Suzanne, Susanna reading gospel sermons, to sing the Psalms, and to pray together. This was a spirit-filled meeting. Remarkable. Susanna homeschooled her sons, as well as her daughters, focusing on their well-being, investing in them and offering them her undivided attention. How did she cope? How did she cope with the heartbreak of nine of her children dying? How did she cope with her husband, her support in prison? How did she become such a strong and striking Christian leader? How did she manage to love and teach her children so remarkably well? Two of her boys, John and Charles Wesley, became famous. They went on to lead an unprecedented revival in the United Kingdom that reached the unreachable 
the poor and the working classes, even the Cornish, were touched by their mark. Their influence touched the entire world with the gospel. I've read that Susanna poured her heart out to God, mourning her lost babies, interceding for her infuriating husband, and praying for each one of her children. Susanna was definitely called to make disciples, but not of people from distant nations. Susanna was called to make disciples of her children. And to that cause, she gave herself tirelessly to her mission. Susanna Wesley, a housewife with a hard life from a small rural English town, became the mother of 80 million Methodists in more than 130 nations. Praise the Lord. What was Susanna's secret for such a successful life? She abided in Jesus every day. She abided in Jesus every day. Her strength was renewed again and again because she spent time with the true vine, who is Jesus. We've got to think about the passage now. Our passage today is located directly after Jesus had shared the Last Supper with his disciples, identified the betrayal of Judas and Peter, and promised them that the Holy Spirit would come and help them. If there had been any fears and worries about being abandoned when Jesus ascended to the Father, he wanted to relinquish those fears, and he goes on to speak about what it means to abide in him. Jesus taught the disciples that if they put their lives entirely in his hands by abiding in him, then they could be organically joined to Jesus, the true vine. And God the Father, the gardener, was working for their good and was determined to make the disciples, the branches, grow and be fruitful. We have a promise. The gardener will prune us and we will be fruitful in the old testament israel is repeatedly pictured as the vine or the vineyard of god the prophet isaiah described the vineyard of the lord being the house of israel and the vines he delights in the prophet jeremiah described israel as being planted as god's favorite vine And the prophet Hosea described Israel as a prosperous and luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. Throughout scripture, the symbol of the vine represents the nation of Israel. It was even the emblem on the coins at the time of the Maccabees. However, whenever the symbol of the vine is used, it is unfortunately inseparable from the idea of degeneration, failure. The prophets often spoke about Israel becoming like a wild vine, which meant their mission to the world had become fruitless. Are you with me? Yeah. Psalm 80, and don't take my word for it, look it up yourself. Psalm 80 
is a song about Israel becoming the vine that has failed to produce fruit, right? But then speaks about the hope in the Messiah, the Son of Man, who is the true vine. Although the vine symbol could not be associated, sorry, although the vine symbol could not be associated with the failure of the nation, sorry, I said that again, the vine symbol was associated with the failure of the nation. And in our passage today, Jesus takes this very symbol of failure, the symbol of the vine, to declare that the prophetic song of Psalm 80 is being fulfilled in him. He is the true vine. Okay. So, what do we need to know? In the passage, Jesus reveals the secret to becoming more fruitful as his disciples by teaching about the importance of abiding in him. Jesus uses the illustration about the gardener pruning the branches of the vine that are fruitful in order that they may produce even more fruit. The purpose of pruning is to bear even more fruit, right? The father, the gardener, prunes the branches, the disciples, us, who are in Jesus, the vine, to strengthen our character and build our faith. That's why we're pruned, to be strengthened in character and to build our faith. That means if we experience struggle, which brings pain, sorrow, sickness, loss, failure, disappointment, and frustration. In that suffering, the gardener may be pruning our lives. He may be pruning our lives. The pruning process may appear brutal. And the branches may be left jagged and sharp and exposed in winter. But the pruning enables new life. It enables new life to emerge. When the spring and the summer arrive, there will be an abundance of fruit. If God is pruning your life, there will be an abundance of fruit to come. Jesus teaches that the secret to an authentically fruitful life is to abide in him, to remain in him, to be friends with him, to cultivate an intimate relationship with him. We must not allow ourselves to become fruitless branches. We must not cut ourselves off from the vine who is Jesus. We must remain in Jesus, spending time in his presence, walking with him, trusting in him, communing with him in prayer, and listening to him through his word. Jesus makes four promises to those who abide in him. Promises to you and to me. Firstly, that we are loved. You are loved. We are loved. Secondly, that our prayers will be answered. Our prayers will be answered when we pursue God. Thirdly, that God will be glorified through us as we produce fruit. God will glorify us. And fourthly, that our joy will be complete and overflowing. We may be suffering and struggling, but we can still know joy. 
when we abide in Jesus. Brothers and sisters at North Street Church, let's build our church family by abiding in Jesus, who is the source of our life and the source of our love for one another. So, what does Jesus teach about fellowship? Fellowship means abiding in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. To abide in Jesus. Help us to trust in Jesus. And when difficulties or struggles emerge, help us to remember you are developing us for the future you have prepared for us. Help us to build our fellowship with you at the centre of our lives. May we know you in everything we experience. May we trust in you with everything we are. In Jesus' name, amen.